0: PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com.
2: Hello, I'm John, I'm a Watford fan, and you can get me at Watford Podcast.
3: Hi, uh, my name's Mark, I'm going to be representing Liverpool Football Club tonight, and you can uh, reach me on Twitter at Mr. Mark Simpson.
4: How you doing, this is Rob, I'll be representing Chelsea, you can reach me at RasBall.com, or on Twitter at Smokey underscore Loogie.
1: Alright, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Alright, John, you're up first talking about Watford. It seems as though you've done everything but get the result this weekend.
2: Well, yeah, pretty much that. Um, We're two games into our return to uh, to the Premier League, and we're two draws down. It's... You asked me that in the beginning of before uh, the season, would I have taken two points of the two games and sort of say, yeah, we're, we're settled here, and I, I would have been. And last week we were we were happy after the Everton draw. This week the draw against West Brom didn't feel like a draw or didn't feel like a, a win like it almost against Everton. It was a missed opportunity. Um, we dominated the game, put put pretty simply, and uh, especially the first half. Uh, Tony Pulis will, will agree with uh, will, will agree with me that we dominated the game. Um, it was us playing quickly, passing the ball around, um, our wingers, uh, uh, so our, our left and right back, so getting forward, a um, uh, new formation of 4-2-3-1, uh, the two, uh, it just, for me, it just feels like we are uh, dominating and just uh, uh, controlling that midfield, um, we were taking down every time a, a, Wimble, a West Brom uh, player had the ball, there was two men on him, um, and they were, they were they were cutting them down. Second half, uh, West Brom were certainly higher up the pitch, good 10, 15 yards, uh, a bit further up. But they were organised, they were defensive, they were a Tony Pulis side. But they certainly lacked a, a little something. The big money signing comes on, and he really wasn't part of their system. He was a little bit reckless, a little bit all over there, a little bit, just a little bit something different. And that was the, the worry that he might actually uh, just be that, craziness that's throwing them off their, their tempo and, and us off as well. But fortunately, he didn't make it. Um, we weren't making good crosses. Um, we weren't getting the ball in there uh, to, to our men to finish off. Uh, it was all being worked through the middle of the game, over the park, um, off to the wingers, but just wasn't getting in to the, uh, to the, the guys in the middle to, to put in the net. Um, so very disappointing. And it certainly feels like uh, some missed points. Uh, and we need 40, and we have 38 to go.
1: All right, uh, a lot of people were looking at Troy Deeney. You mentioned you had had an interview with him uh, in your previous appearance. A lot of people kind of waiting for him to kind of open up his scoring sheet. Uh, do you think that's coming? Has he looked promising, or is he struggling a bit in front of net at the moment?
2: Uh, that's, I th- two things that want to happen. One is actually can we get better balls into him, uh, and a better supply, uh, but the whole thing about him being the one out of the the fourth uh, four two three one, he he is playing with his 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 back to the goal quite a lot. So he is causing a lot of hassle up there for the uh, for the boys in the in the centre defence for the two clubs he played against, and that's what he's always been good at. You know, he's a classic championship uh, physical striker. Um, it is it will come. And I think he'll he'll come and uh, he'll do really well. I know in fancy stuff he was everyone liked it because it was a good price and he's been he scored 20 goals plus the last three seasons. At, at some point I think it will, it will turn up, but it, I think for him it's actually playing a different way, not having the ball the, the way that he's sort of used to it. So he's got some some uh, rhythms to find, let's say.
1: All right. Well, thanks for that. And now on to Mark. Now you haven't played yet. You're playing Bournemouth tomorrow. Uh, but has there been any other news surrounding Liverpool this week?
3: It's mostly uh, news-wise about players that could be leaving the uh, the team. Right? It's uh, Operation Get Rid of the Deadwood. Really, uh, you may know of uh, obviously Balotelli. He's uh, he's hopefully on his way out. Barini, uh, Enrique. They're no longer even part of the training. They they uh, they basically come in for to training at three o'clock when the first team players go home. That's like how how sort of uh, a they they've been from the team. Uh, but also over the last sort of week, it's, it's become apparent that Lucas might be on his way as well. Um, it's a bit of a shame because he's one of our longest-serving players. Uh, and no matter what you think about his actual ability, uh, in the dressing room, he is a popular character and he's... Uh, you know he's he's a very important in that sort of role. Uh, apart from that, really, it's just sort of getting ready for tomorrow. Um, it's been interesting seeing all the other teams play this weekend, seeing teams drop points, seeing teams underperform, but maybe pick up a win like the United did on at the, uh, on, on Friday night. But it's, uh, it really lays down a marker. If Liverpool can come out tomorrow and not only win as as I expect us to do, but win in style, then it could. Uh, it could really help Rodgers, really. Um, seeing that he went in before the season as, the, as one of the Bucky's favourite to be first to get sacked, he wins the next game. That's six out of six, and you're going into Arsenal. Uh, you know, you, you get a, a point or a win there, and you know it's it's the season's just looking a little different. So, no, really looking forward to tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing Firmino get his uh, first start. Looking forward to seeing how the teams shape up and, uh, like I say, really ex- do expect this team to uh, be a, uh, like a, a, a an all right bomber side.
1: Yeah, you mentioned there uh, seeing Firmino get his full debut tomorrow. Uh, would you like to take a guess at which four midfielders you run out?
3: The, well, I'll give you the team. Uh, the team will, well, in my opinion, open. from what I think it will be uh, from seeing the training pitches, Mingele. And in the same back four as Stoke, so it was Klein, with uh, Skirtle, Lovren, and Gomez. Personally, I'd rather see Moreno there uh, against a team like Bournemouth because against the Stoke, Gomez makes sense because he's big, strong, tall, and more defensive. But against the Bournemouth, you're going to need uh, like a sort of tricky fullback there, which which Moreno is. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be Gomez in the two, in the midfield. It's looking like Shan uh, will be. Playing there, which frees up Hendo and Milner in front, and then the front three of uh, Firmino, Coutinho, Benteke. So it's, um, it's 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 an interesting one. I'm looking forward to seeing how it works. It's got a lot of attack in there, and you know, just with the players on the pitch, it'll be enough to put aside a Bournemouth, but a, a Bournemouth team, which you know, I, I think they're going to be a good team. I think they're going to be a good Premiership team. They just looked nervous last week against Villa. And I think uh, first Premiership game, um, you know, on on the on the, in the cameras tomorrow night. I reckon we can sort of capitalize on on more nervousness on them. All
1: right, now Rob. Obviously, not the result you would have wanted today. What did you take away from that match?
4: Uh, everything is a controversial flux right now. It looks like in Chelsea, just a bunch of spoken words and nobody actually playing up to their ability. Uh, you know, I figured at least at worst we would have a draw today and, and show something better than we did the first week. And it came out and it's just a, what looked like a very ordinary product from a Mourinho standpoint. Um, you know, they, they couldn't get anything going up front. Diego Costa hits the ground more than he hits the ball. Um, he gets up and complains a lot. I mean, he took an elbow to the head. Uh, it happens lad. I mean, it's soccer. Keep playing. Um, Hazard kind of – he has his moments of, of greatness where he can dribble and do what Hazard normally does, and you see it. But I he's not – he doesn't look like the same player to me coming into – from last year. The first two games, he doesn't look the same to me. Um, and then the peculiar thing to me is, uh, until we get more word on the, the John Terry thing, uh, a, a guy who's never been benched or subbed by Mourinho coming out of the game at halftime uh, because Mourinho said he wanted to change things up. Uh, There might be more news on that that came out just now. I just don't know. Um, But the defense has looked very slothful. Ivanovic is not himself. Uh, Espoloquete is kind of eh. You know, the signing of Baba Rachman officially today will probably help that and put things in more of a flux because it gives him another option behind Zuma to take over for one of those guys in case of injury, fitness, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean the game today was just very, very drab from a Chelsea point standpoint. I just, I'm getting sick and tired of Costa call every time he touches the ball, somebody touches him he hits the ground and then he punches the ground. It's becoming Mm -hmm. a very carnival thing for me. It's, it's not something that you want to see unless you get results from it. Um, but yeah, so there's my take on the Chelsea game today, just frustration and angst waiting for more news and more quotes from the, the, the circus that is the third year of Mourinho.
1: Yeah, um, obviously one of the, the more amusing parts from a neutral perspective was the Manchester City fans singing sacked in the morning at the medical staff when they came on to help out Gary Cahill. Um, obviously, that was a whole big drama thing that happened throughout the week. Mourinho kind of avoiding to speak on it. Do you have kind of an opinion on it, or how do you think this could kind of be resolved in a less kind of obtuse way?
4: It could have just been handled behind the scenes. It never had to be made public. They could have just personally just changed their physio squad, and nobody would have asked anything. But but since it's been brought out, and now there's all types of rumors and stories being thrown on top of this, this story is far from older over. It's probably only going to get it, get worse and just cont- and continue to smolder and just be a secondary story in Mourinho's mind but it'll be a primary story because people are going to keep asking about it and it's going to get him frustrated and his comments about the team are going to reflect that.
2: But didn't that, wasn't that the whole thing? The reason they brought that up. For me, I look at that and I go, well done Mourinho. You you've done a brilliant job at hiding a really bad performance against Swansea. You know, you 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 never played they didn't play that game as champions. Oh, and no. uh, he's clearly made a thing of it. So no one spoke about that game going into this Man City game. What we've been speaking about, or what the, everyone else been speaking about, is about these these physios. I I thought it was I thought it was clever Mourinho in terms of what was going, rather than actually it being the uh, the story that it's been made the story rather than it being anything else.
4: Well, it, in theory, that's a good point. I just from from my perspective, I was just thinking it, that he didn't want to talk about the game, so he talked about this. But it's gonna it's gonna keep lingering and make it make it even worse for him because then they're not gonna talk about the game and then by the time they talk about the team, this story's gonna come up again and their team's still gonna suck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna be too uh, overly positive about Tottenham either, uh, despite a, a tremendous first half. Um, we did draw two two with Stoke, which uh, I think, you know, it, it, if these fixtures were a little more spread out and you look back on a season. You know, a loss to United away and a draw to Stoke aren't really surprising results. But the fact that they've happened back-to-back weeks, both in weeks where we played better than the opponent for at least, you know, about 50 minutes is a little disappointing. Um, Kane looked excellent again. He was pulled off early due to uh, ankle knock slash tiredness. Um, But he did very much what he did against Manchester United, which was really stretch the defense and give a whole lot of space for Ericsson and Chadley, which is... Uh, I, I think probably going to be the way that we go this year, uh, really relying on Ericsson to kind of carry the load, much as we did the first half of last season before Kane uh, decided to be a tremendous striker. Uh, <clears throat> when the team sheet was announced, was a little bit disappointed in the Mason-Dyer pairing in midfield. I thought it was going to be Bentaleb leban Ali, so I got both of those wrong, but they complement each other surprisingly well. Uh, And it's something that, you know, kind of surprised me and that I hadn't thought of it, which is Mason's defensive ability is horrible. His sense of positioning is just not great at all. But having Eric Dyer there, whose attack is a little so-so, allowing Dyer to just constantly pull back and allowing Mason to constantly get forward and create uh, worked out very well. His off-ball runs are very good uh, for such a young and and quote-unquote inexperienced player. Uh, so I was I was very impressed by that duo for the majority of the match. Um, had a 2-0 lead at halftime. Eric Dyer with a header. Uh, Chadley had a pretty nice uh, volley that came off of Ben Davis. Uh, so was very, very pleased heading into halftime with a 2-0 lead. Had it until about the 64th minute, which is when we took Kane off. Like I said, dude with slight angle, ankle injury slash tiredness. Uh, and then Mason soon followed about four minutes later. Uh, and we replaced them with Eric Lamela and Nabil Bentaleb, neither of whom made a positive impact on the match, and Lamela, in fact, making a negative impact on the match. We we got shaken. Then shortly thereafter, uh, Toby Alderweireld conceded a penalty um, on the edge of the box on Arnautovic, who then finished the penalty, put us behind. And as we've so often seen with Tottenham over the last few years, once we feel hard done by, our heads drop and the the focus levels drop. Uh, which allowed later for Mama um, Biramduf to to get a header, which to be fair, he, he deserved a goal from how much effort and, and shots he put on Lloris. Uh just disappointing to see it happen, you know, so late in the match. I think it was about the eighty-third minute. Uh Toby Aldeverold has been great for us uh in, in preseason in the first match. Uh pretty pretty handily responsible for the for the two goals against Stoke, uh both uh committing the foul in the box that led to the penalty and uh, losing track of Diafu, who, who then got a free header in the box, which just shouldn't have happened, especially that late in the match. Um, all in all, I think Dyer in his post-match uh, interview said it best uh, when discussing losing leads, and he said, we obviously did it a few times last season and are obviously very disappointed that we've done it again this season. Um, and, and I think that's the, the core of why fans are so upset with this result, which is we thought we were past this, that, that the late conceding goals or, or throwing away leads was a thing of the past and that we were going to be more defensively resolute. We looked amazing against United in defense last week. Now seeing how they performed uh, against um, Aston Villa, maybe their attack just isn't as developed as we thought it would be with Depay plugging in uh, where Di Maria was meant to be. I don't know. Our our defense looked like it was going to be very good, and especially with Dyer shielding them, you'd think you know we're basically playing with three center backs uh, you'd think we would be able to stifle attacks, and we did for about 70 minutes before kind of uh, failing <laughs> after that. So we'll see if we're able to improve in that that facet going forward. But um, Pochettino was was fairly upset after the match, saying that we must bring in a striker because, like I said, as soon as we took Kane off, we weren't pushing forward anymore. Then we were just in defense mode, and uh, maybe we're not as good at that as we thought we would be. Uh, but he did say we need to bring in a striker. We're not sure who that is. We did sign. Uh, Clinton G, or G. Clinton, as he, he uh, told everyone in his introductory uh, video for Spurs TV. Uh, but he was confirmed early Saturday morning, was at the match, obviously not playing, not dressed. Um, uh, but Pochettino mentioned he is a very flexible player and that he can play in many positions, but his primary position will be on the wing, which does mean that we are very much still in for a striker. Not really sure what the options are that are left, as I keep saying, but... Uh, Sounds like Berahino and Sven Bender are still the two top objectives. We've put a lot of work into those two deals over the summer, but are hitting a lot of snags, obviously, as it hasn't happened yet. And I'm assuming that main snag is Levy doesn't want to pay how much it'll cost to get either of them. Uh, but striker and central midfield are both obviously the positions we need to add in and people around the club saying that we will address those issues. Um, but it's just one of those situations where you're thinking you're going to get,
0: That's plushcare.com slash loss plushcare.com slash loss
1: Barahino and Bender, and you end up getting some combination of Austin and some random central midfielder that won't be able to impact the first team the way you thought they would like Stambouli. <laughs> um, but hopefully we can fill those positions and with players that will be able to, to kind of step in week one. All of this, both the transfer news and the match, has been met with a lot of skepticism and fan outrage. Uh, kind of choosing between the potch out and Levy out routes, uh, and, and like I said, like if these matches are further apart, there's probably much less outrage. But it's not how you want to start your season, especially considering, like I said, we've probably been the better team for about 120 minutes of 180 minutes. So coming away with just one point is is pretty disappointing. But like I said, a lot of people are already potch outing. We saw at Sunderland; they're very they're they're struggling awfully mightily. Um, with Dick Advocat already having to pen a, an email to the supporters and apologizing for what's happened thus far and saying they're going to have a huge team meeting to address it. I'm sure Southampton thought that they would have started the season better. We touched on it a little bit earlier um, with Rob, that Chelsea haven't gotten off to the start. They're, they're expecting So the the question I I pose to you is, when should we be panicking? Because I'd say it's probably too soon. I think most of you would agree. But at what point should these teams really start looking in the mirror and trying to make some pretty wholesale
2: changes? For me, the the worst thing about football is is, uh, expectations. Um, And what is your expectation? Uh, I'm sure Bournemouth uh, are more than happy to be in the Premier League. They want good performances, but their expectations are probably a little bit low. And if Eddie Howe leaves Bournemouth at any time this season, I will be amazed. Um, either he'll be with them next year in the Premier League or in, in the Championship. Mourinho, there are markers for a man up at that end of Chelsea. For me, it's Champions League, uh, especially the, to get through to the, the next round. Uh, and there's at least being in that top four mix when it comes to the league making some sort of good, uh, worthy, let's say, um, viewing when it comes to like mid September, uh, October time. Um, the Southampton, you know, we've got to play them next. Um, that'll be interesting to see how they sort of react to, to their loss at, at Everton. Um, uh, but they've they've probably got a little bit more time. Um, they're probably more looking towards uh, Christmas before they start absolutely panicking. Um, but I think Mr. Mourinho will uh, play his cards quite well, and no one will be panicking in come September at Chelsea.
4: Yeah. I, I think it's way too early to, to assume that everybody's panicking, uh, especially from a Chelsea perspective. I I just, I'm just frustrated by today's result and uh, they, they have the talent, they have the pedigree there that there's not going to be anything to worry about in say three matches, five matches um, for, for the Sunderlands of the world. I may be a little bit nervous because you're, you're coming out and you're, Basically doing what you did last year, and it's, or even worse um, for the promoted teams. I think everything is uh, status quo right now. You, whatever they get, they get from the first games, and then they assess again. It you know after a certain amount of time, but you know it's after two games to, to, to hit the, the red panic button and, and launch everything and burn yourselves down. I don't I don't see it happening to anybody yet.
3: It's a it's a tricky tricky one this season because there's a lot of games in August. You don't normally get four games uh, this at, at this stage of the season, and a lot of teams. And you can see, especially with a lot of players that are involved on international level over some there's a lot of rustiness going on. And it's <laughs> the mindset of of the modern day football fan is is going from. Looking at every game on literally you're basing your whole season on just one game, and it's it, it's it's crazy, really. And especially with, with, with the season just starting and August having a lot more games than it normally does, um, and they like you can tell it in a lot of the players, a lot of players are still just sort of trying to find their feet. And the only team that, in my opinion, that should be worried is a team like Sunderland. But that's not just this season. That's not Dick Advocate. That's not just the last sort of twelve months. That's a long, uh, a long-rooted problem. And 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 they've been very lucky to survive the the past few seasons without going down into the Championship. And I t- it's just a matter of time now before they do. Um, they started the season very poorly. It's not just the results; they just cast. And when that sort of starts to happen, it, it only really sort of putting the, the, the writing on the wall um i don't see dick, dick advocate lasting out of the season which will make his wife very happy uh because she doesn't want to <laughs> be there um apart from that it's like i say everybody everybody else is just sort of sort of going at a different stages leicester have obviously started very well how can you put that down to them just sort of playing for the new manager um i can't see that lasting um the the, the but they'll uh but but they'll crack on. There's teams like United who are playing very poorly. They're getting outplayed in every game they've played so far. But they've come out with six out of six. So it's it's, it's a weird start to the season. You get the the first set of international games out of the way with, and your players in the teams or and the league will just sort of sort itself out. Um, players like Hazard, players like Sanchez. Yeah, they'll just show their class and, and the teams that are expected to win will start to win and the teams that expect expected to lose will start to lose. And before you know it, it's Christmas and uh, it's a total different conversation, really.
2: I don't think it is. I think it's a, it is a completely different conversation. You know, we're Watford, we're not the Watford everyone thinks we are. There's no way we are the same team that came up in you know the mid, mid-naughties or in '99. In we are a completely different football club and we as Watford fans are getting highly annoyed at people thinking we're going to be in the bottom 3 um like automatically um and there's nothing about those top top boys where they get they, you know this year they're going to be guaranteed you know look at crystal palace they will clearly take points off the top let's call them let's for well, what the top 6 um you know they're more likely than we are at Watford so don't think the division is going to be the same as before, um, and it's something that um, uh, Mourinho, as Mourinho said it about how you know basically all football clubs in the Premier League now can buy the best players from all the divisions across Europe. They've all got enough money to buy in top players, um, not the top top ones for the Champions League, but they're still all top players. Um, I've got to look at it. I look at it from my Watford point of view, and you know I. This round of games that we've got, I think, you know, before the end the international break, we've so far we've played also Rans, you know, Everton and West Brom, and we've got draws. Next we've got Southampton, who we know last year did particularly well. Then we've got Man City, and they're our first sort of big club that we've got to play against. Now they're not going to make the decisions, uh, and we might be looking at individual games, but it's the next set of times. It's the next time we play the Swansees. Um, the sort of mid tables and Crystal Palaces, do we all of a sudden start getting frustrated that we are playing lovely football, but there's no end product? Um, do we get a, 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 hey, imagine if we get a point out of uh, Man City uh, or even a win. Imagine we got a win. All of a sudden, Watford fans' expectations that every single time we play, one of on the top four, hey, we're here, we're serious, we're going to get this. But there's a whole season to go. And there's, a, we know, every, what fan, every football fan knows that a team has to be ready and able to compete throughout the season at the high level. And for me, that's the big thing. You know, listen to, to Kev talk about Spurs, you last for 70 minutes. Well, why aren't you lasting for 90? Are they, are they fit enough? Have they been travelling too much? Did they get enough rest and have they had the right sort of um, development in terms of fitness over the, of the pre-season? And the same for Chelsea. They're not who they were by a long way. Why? It must be down to something like the fitness and, and mental strength and mental rest that they might not have uh, been able to have.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely don't want to lay any blame at, at Pochettino's feet for fitness. I think last season we probably picked up about 20 points. Uh, in the last 10 minutes. It just kind of hurts when you lose them on your own end. Um, Like I said, for us, that wasn't our best 11, again. (laughs) And again, two of those players that might be in our best 11 might not be at the club yet. So uh, that's why I'm a little bit more calm. Uh, That and that I honestly thought that we were going to be worse this season than last season. We're clearly in more of a building towards the future role. You know, when we brought in the, the fantastic seven, which now in retrospect looks like the worst thing ever um, with all the, the players we brought in with the bail money. You know, we brought in Etienne Capoue and, and Vlad Kirrakesh and Roberto Soldado. They were all people that, that were competing for, for uh, things at their previous clubs and were already established internationals. And that was kind of our signal of intent with you know, Vertonghen and Larice already at the club that you know, we're, we're challenging now. And that's no longer the case. We have a whole bunch of kids. We had another very young squad again um, that we rolled out at the weekend. And I think we're, we're building for the next five years. This is not the year when we compete for top four. It's just not. Um, we have tons of young talent, but none of them are actually there yet. Maybe barring Eriksson and Kane, but there's still some flaws there as well. Uh, the, the inconsistencies at Tottenham and the inability to recover when things don't go our way are precisely the reason why we're not in the top four conversation because on our day we can beat anyone as Rob knows from last season the 5-3 against Chelsea was surprised everyone you know Tottenham fans included we we really didn't know we were going to be able to be capable of that but just as easily we can lose to anyone and we can throw away leads against anyone and that that's that's the main issue with the club at the moment and it's you know when you have that many young kids a lack of consistency really isn't that surprising because you don't really have that uh, kind of veteran presence throughout the squad that can kind of pull you through those tough moments, much like we're seeing at Manchester United. I, I, I think you hit it just right on the head, Mark. They've they've looked awful. They really have. And Tottenham have looked great, but they have six points and we have one, and where would you rather be? Um, so, yeah, I think we definitely lack that mental fortitude. I agree that Sunderland are in a world of hurt right now. Eunice Kabul is clearly not the answer at the back that they thought they were getting. Jermaine Lenz, I will back till the day I die, is an absolute baller, uh, but he can't do it all with, if he's not getting much help. The Adam Johnson thing obviously very much hurt their attack. They brought in Jan and Villa, but only time will tell if that actually helps. Jermaine Defoe's only contribution is when he puts the ball in the back of the net. Other than that, you know, he's kind of dead weight in the attack. Uh, and you look at all of the other teams that finished around them last year, like your Aston Villas and your Newcastles and your Leicesters, and they've all made significant improvements. And you you look at Sunderland bringing in you know a, one Dutch winger and is that enough? I, I think it's no. Um, am I one to twenty each week? They're they're twentieth for me right now and it's not close. Uh, I, I think they're in massive trouble. I agree it's probably not Dick Advocat's fault, uh, but you know they're probably going to end up blaming the manager anyway. It's the most disposable person at the club. Because you can't get rid of players because of all of their contracts and stuff. And you can't get rid of the ownership because they're the ones that are running the show. So uh, I would also be surprised if Advocat made it to Christmas. Although I do not think it's his fault. Uh, I do agree that Southampton can wait a while longer. Uh, they are dealing with injuries to both uh, Ryan Bertrand and Jordi Clusy, Who I think will be absolutely massive for them. And uh, Clusy isn't the biggest Dutchman missing at the club. It's their manager. <laughs> so, um, who's missed uh, managing because of his leg injury. So obviously that should help. Uh, once he's like fully back in the fold, uh, but they have a lot of club stability, so I'm thinking they'll be fine. Uh, but they need to perform better at the back, because conceding two to Newcastle and three to Everton, I'm sure, is not what they imagined they would have defensively, even with losing Alderweireld. Um, you you just think of them as a much better club, and maybe some of those issues are stemmed in the midfield, where Morgan Schneiderlin's no longer there to help shield the back four. Wanyama is, and he's very good, but you know maybe they haven't really adapted to that yet. Uh, Manchester United like I mentioned playing awfully picking up points so they'll be fine I agree on Chelsea they're obviously going to be fine probably have the most talented squad in the Premier League uh, City making a case but you, you just look position through position and, and individually they're all great but you know John Terry got wholly undone by Buffett Gomis uh, and then got pulled early in this match like you said Ivanovic isn't really there Ozpilicueta is amazing as the fourth best player in that back line But if two of the other ones aren't there, then he needs to carry his weight a little bit more. Um, Again, Hazard just hasn't been great. Costa's throwing tantrums all the time. But they'll figure it out at some point, I fully believe. So they'll be fine. Um, But all in all, yeah, I, I think it's too early to panic, especially for the clubs in question. I think, much like people have been saying, Sunderland are the ones that really need to look at themselves in the mirror and figure out what's wrong. And for me, it's that they don't have very good footballers at the club. As harsh as that may sound. They're just not at the level they would need to be. And they're a pretty old squad as well. And they got rid of a pretty talented player in Wick, uh, Wickaldinho. And Connor Wickham, who did well for Palace today, uh, in favor of Defoe. So, i uh, not really sure what direction they're headed in. But it might just be down. And from there, we're going to move on to Player Watch. Where we're going to name a player who impressed and one who disappointed in our club's most recent fixture. And Mark, since you haven't played yet, if you'd like to add in a fantasy option for Liverpool, that would be tremendous as well. So we'll start off with John. Obviously, as we mentioned, played very well, failed to get the result. Who impressed you and disappointed you in your performance?
2: Uh, I'm going to start with the negative. I'll go with the disappointment. Uh, last week, I did put in Troy Deeney uh, because he, well, he hasn't didn't score and got a yellow card. It was a good game. This week, after second game and feeling that we we, we lost two points, I can be a little bit more critical. And uh, I don't know if anyone's ever done this before, but I'm going to go from my player of the week last week to being my uh, not player of the week this week. Is, uh, Miguel first to worst, Lyon. if you will. <laughs> yeah, first to worst. Uh, he, uh, as I might have said last week, last year, there was a lot of frustration with Watford fans. that He didn't quite seem he was fitting into the the championship. And the wish was always that when we go to the Premier League, he would be more in his uh, happy place. With his more followers than Spurs on Twitter, that is, that happened last week. It felt like it happened <laughs> last week. He's become a dad. He, uh, he he won the Gold Cup with Mexico. Things haven't quite gone as well, and yesterday wasn't good. And one of the things of, um, that Flores said about the ball getting into the um, into the box was was sort of down to him. So he's going to go from zero to zero uh, with me. The, the, the player for me, um, he sums up quite a lot of things about this, this new uh, players that we've been bringing into to Watford. Um, the big thing that the Potso family uh, are doing differently with Watford this year than they normally do is their big thing is finding young players and developing those. The players that they've been buying in for Watford this year are definitely experienced. But the biggest thing is they're physical and they're skillful. And uh, a guy called Alan Naum. Uh, who we've got from, from our sister, uh, uh, sister uh, club in Granada. He is uh, uh, currently playing at um, uh, right-back and bombing up and down the wing. He is a physical um, specimen. Um, he is skillful at the same time. And I saw Watford play Chelsea in the FA Cup last year, and it did look at certain points like Chelsea with the big boys on the playground. Um, and Watford weren't quite as physical but all these boys that are coming in are definitely much more of a big physical presence he sums it up he went up and down that wing uh, caused lots of problems definitely made more opportunities than the, the other uh, uh, midfielders um, and even defenders uh, that Watford had so he is my, uh, my man of the week
1: Like I said, by the time of recording Liverpool have not played yet but Mark, who do you think is the best fantasy option at Liverpool at the moment?
3: um well i've personally got Take and he's my captain for tomorrow um until Sturridge comes back i think he's uh, yeah i think he's pretty much the, uh, the the most viable option uh i just think uh home debut tomorrow playing against uh you know a, ch- a championship uh, team i think uh, i think he's going to get his going to get his goal for a cheap option, a really cheap buy in the the left back Gomez is only four point five million. Um, so, you know, play, players to watch out. Personally, I I cannot wait to see Firmino uh, get get his home start tomorrow because I think he's going to take the take the league by storm. i have been excited about a signing uh, really this much since um, since the days when, when when Suarez first walked through the door. I think he's going to be a special player for us. But yeah, those are the sort of three players uh, I would. Uh, encourage any fantasy football managers to go out and purchase for their teams.
1: All right, and Rob, who impressed and disappointed for Chelsea this weekend?
4: Uh, I think the most impressive thing was the uh, the physio brother Hughes is taking the game on such short notice and coming in and doing an admirable job. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um,
1: <laughs> but seriously, they had a lot to do.
4: <laughs> I, they really did. They went from one to another and then the city doctors actually were out there too, so good on them for actually assisting. Uh, the the person I think that you need to take notice that actually played okay but I mean the score's not going to reflect it cuz he came in and subbed in for John Terry but in the and da- the game's coming forward he, his name's going to be probably more prominent in the in the, the playing pattern. I think Kurt Zuma has got to be got to be involved a little bit more in this in this team. Um, you know, I I wasn't impressed with Ram- the way Ramirez was playing in this game and you know, I think that maybe that Zuma could probably play next to Modic in a lot of situations, and he could also be that fourth defend, you know, that that situational defender that they need to come in when everybody else needs a break, whether it be Aspulequeta, Terry today, you know, Ivanovic, or the or the like of defensively. Um, disappointed wise, I mean, the the, lim- the options are so limited. I mean, Jesus, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Costa. I mean, because I'm, I'm a fantasy player at heart and then you know a, a supporter as well but if you're looking at Costa he's basically like if you did a draft system where you drafted a player he was like your number 1 pick right now and he he's out there looking like charlie brown after he kicks a football it's, com- <laughs> it's com- yeah it's com- it's completely disgusting um <clears throat> he's getting he's not getting involved in any of the play uh they they, they seem like they're just way lazy or as I used the word before, slothful. Uh, there's no good form between the players going forward besides Hazard and it looks like William have a nice little connect and maybe Sesk but he seskes Cesc- 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 everybody very well this is that's his game. Uh but Picasso just seems like completely just way off the register for any player right now on Chelsea to even relate to that because they're all look off because they have one they have one point out of two matches and that's the way things crumble, I guess. Um, yeah, so there's my player and distressed player that I don't like. Yeah, uh,
1: for me, I, I'm going to kind of go left field here, or right wing more technically. Uh, and Musa Dembele, who performed quite admirably over there. Last match I said, you know, he was fine, but I didn't want to see him there for all 38 matches. Uh, But like I said, he did fairly well over there. He had uh, five tackles that were all pretty solid up against the touchline and helped launch some of our attacks that looked more threatening. Um, I still don't think he's actually a right winger, and I think we'll probably see NG there soon uh, and see Dembele kind of shifted back to central midfield, especially if Bentaleb continues to struggle, which is a thing that I don't think we were prepared for. Uh, All summer we were like, well, who are we going to pair with Bentaleb? And he's not looked great thus far this season, so... Uh maybe we're we're gonna need to, you know, add in that position as well as maybe move Dembele back there. Um, but was very impressed with him. I really was, and he contributed a lot more than he does sometimes when he's in the middle of the pitch. The player I was most disappointed with, mentioned before, Eric Lamela. Thirty minutes, four dispossessions, three fouls committed, seventy-five percent pass completion. I know some people aren't big on stats, but that is a very accurate representation of how not only ineffective he was, but Uh, a detriment once coming on the pitch, not just inactive. He was active in a negative way. Uh, And it very, very much uh, led to to us conceding two goals and losing all three points. And yesterday, uh, you know, Demarcio came out and said that uh, Juventus are interested in a cut-price deal for LaMela. And I think that was the worst time for the Tottenham fan base to hear that because there are a whole lot of people crying out for him to leave. Uh, and, And I do, you know, he was our assist leader last year. And he has a whole lot of potential. I've mentioned before, I think his body moves faster than his brain does, uh, which caused him a lot of issues when he drifts in field because he's already doing stuff before he's had time to think about it. And then there are already three defenders in his way, which leads to him being dispossessed so frequently. Uh, I I would probably prefer to keep him, especially for Europa League, where he tends to do very well. But if anybody comes in with anything 15 mil plus-ish, I think it'd be awful hard for Tottenham to say no as a club. And I think a lot of fans would be uh maybe pleased to see the backside of a player that we had so much hope resting on. All right. And uh Mark, if you would be so kind, could you give us a quick preview of your match against Bournemouth? You already listed your team. How do you think you'll perform?
3: Yeah, I I well, I fully anticipate and fully expect Liverpool to, to win the game tomorrow. They have to if they wanna uh have any hopes of getting back in the Champions League this year. Uh that's where we fell down last year. We 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 didn't put away the dross in the league uh, the bottom ten teams have to be put away at home. There's there's no two ways about it. Um, obviously, Bournemouth are going to be coming up to Liverpool tomorrow. First game uh, on 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 the TV on Sky Monday night. Lights are on. They'll be up for it. But you know, you the the guys I've been listing off your Firminos, your Benteces, your Coutinho's, Hendersons, your Milners. You know these are international quality players and. I think uh, Rodgers has stumbled across the the 3 formation or the four two three one formation, and it'll uh, it'll prove uh, prove well. I'm looking forward to seeing the game and and yeah, I, I'm I, feel, like I say if 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 they don't win tomorrow, then uh, there'll be some questions to ask.
2: No, my thing is like, it's interesting, like you when you talk about uh, Bournemouth there. Um, you, you, you did the other one. You call them a championship side. They yeah. are a very I think have, you know, they haven't done a lot of business. Um, to no, not, not business. A lot of changes. I think they could easily scare you tomorrow.
3: Oh um, yeah, there's, there's, there's every chance. Like Blackpool did when they came up to uh, Liverpool all those years ago and got it and got a win. But it's just it's just the way we are. No, we. If, if you're not putting away the bottom ten teams in the league at home, then. You're not gonna be you're not gonna be competing. But at this present moment in time I fully fully expect us to. But yeah, it'll be a good game tomorrow. I think it'd be a close one. Two one. It'll be only one goal and maybe maybe two goals in it, but it's gonna be a be a good game. I wouldn't be surprised if they take the lead but we end up winning. All depends yeah. how we start and line up. I think I think he is going for, for Shan <laughs> in, in the midfield with with, with Hendo and well I have been I've been texted the team anyway from someone who who works at Melwood. So I think that is how they're going to line up, but it should be interesting because uh, my my preferred would be to see Coutinho, Hanson, <laughs> and then you've got three runners always in front of him. you always got then mm-hmm. I, Benteke and, and Firmino in front, but um I'll be so wary where, where's
2: of... Where does he play Benteke?
3: Ben like... is the number nine, so it's straight he's, he's the top, he's the focal point. I, I think the reason why he's gone with Coutinho and Firmino is is that he wants to get these two players closer to him. Mm. Because the problem last week at Stoke is that Lallana was just hugging the touchline. I -hmm. was hugging the touchline and they just were getting nowhere near him. Um, So I think the, the thinking will be, and this is just my thinking, is that if you've got Coutinho and Firmino closer to him, um, you can react off his off his knockdowns and his you know his, his, his sort of uh, his play, and then you've got Henderson and Milner are just going to literally run up and down all game long, and and Shan will just be the sort of the the, the holding holding midfielder. Are
1: just you starting tr- to get a scary Townsend feeling for Uh I
3: don't know. I, I personally think he needs to go out and learn again to a Premiership <laughs> team, And Newcastle. I think he would <coughs> slot very nicely in Obertown's position for a season. Yeah, um, it just
1: seems like a lot of pace with a lot of not so much end product
3: yeah exactly he hasn't got a goal or an assist to his Liverpool career gotcha. um, came very close in the derby like literally a couple of inches but he, uh, yeah I, I, I agree I think he could do with playing week in week out at uh, at another premiership club
1: yeah. and with that insightful preview we are out of time so if you have any projects you'd like to plug or if you'd like to tell people where to reach you now would be a good time
2: Yes, yeah, John, I uh, say so you get me um, at Watford Podcast. Uh, the podcast is called From the Rookery End uh, and we've been going about six seasons. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, we started doing uh, some shorter podcasts. We only, do, we only do a podcast once a month, um, sort of looking back at a range of games rather than reacting to every single one of them. Uh, but we're doing these little shorter podcasts and if you want to get the insight about around Watford, um, you might find a little bit more there. They're called Red or Black Shorts because we're obsessed with what colour shorts should we have. Red or black?
3: Uh, so, uh, my name was Mark and I've been representing uh, Liverpool. Um as far as my plug, it's nothing to do with football, but for the last seven months, um, I've been uh, putting together free holiday cottages. Uh, so if anybody out there in, in the Twitter or podcast world is looking for a holiday, uh, go to granarycottages.co.uk. Uh, it's, it's, in a, it's in a lovely place of the North York Moors, and uh, we need people now to fill them. So uh, yeah, www.granarycottages.co.uk,
4: G-R-A-I-N-A-R-Y. Uh, this is Rob. I was covering for Chelsea. Uh, you can always find me at rasball.com or at soccer.rasball.com if you're lazy or into extra letters and dots and stuff. Uh, I don't have any other side products. I don't have any. I don't have any villas for lease or rent. And I'm not. I don't care what color shorts people wear, red or black. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Rob
1: and I will actually be attempting to record a fantasy uh, podcast that will be coming out through your EPL Roundtable stream, named appropriately FPL Roundtable for Fantasy Premier League, so be sure to tune in for that. Um, if you'd like to reach me, I'm on Twitter at kevroth. Uh, each week I have three previews go up over on blog.playtaga.com, covering Tottenham, uh, Crystal Palace, and Sunderland's fantasy options for the coming week. Uh, I have a price-by-price price article that comes out over on the theeaglesbeak.com where you can easily see uh, a player to buy and a player to sell at each price point for ease of transition in your fantasy team. And uh, as always, if you'd like to listen to this podcast, you already are. So, yeah, keep doing that. It's a good time, we think. Um, obviously comes out on Mondays and Fridays. And if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPLRoundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ